Stephen Jill here. Hi. Welcome to the House Academy Show, entertaining real estate investment talk. I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Today, Jill <laughs> and I talk about the best markets to buy houses during the COVID crisis. I wonder if California's on your list. California's on my list. And here's a, here's a, here's a spoiler alert. It's not the cheapest places. There has to be a, there's a whole, there's a way to choose these markets that are very, very data-based and very, very historically proven. And uh, it's not hard at all. And I'll, I'll explain, every MSA has one, and I'll explain it in as much detail as Jill lets me. Oh, goody. <laughs> I can't wait. Can we go through them all? Can we go through the whole list? And, and then dissect them? Yeah, sure. Just like, you know, a high school graduation. Oh. When oh. they read the names. Well, not only read later. the names. Wait, wait, wait. Then say something about each name. <laughs> you know? Steven? Ours. Butala. Star football player. Uh, class president and class clown. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> what was yours? Uh, hmm, mine was boring. Jill? Dewitt, <laughs> President National Honor Society, not kidding. President French Club, not kidding. <laughs> Overall geek. <laughs> We're both geeks. I know it's kind of well, I was kind of a I like to think I was an okay geek because of the friends that have reached out to me, you know, since graduation on Facebook, how many years later? They're cool people. So I I somehow I slid in on the coolest, even though I was kind of a geek and hung out with a lot of geeks. But you know, this okay. computer thing kicked in in the '70s with uh, Bill Gates and, and jo Steve Jobs and many other people. But it became cool in the '70s, '80s, and '90s, and and it's never gone away to be a geek. Yeah. Like we were born at the right time. Yeah, I. You know what? The first class I ever ditched in high school was my senior year. <laughs> And then I took a week off because my parents were out of town, so I did it right. <laughs> and it was so funny because actually, my the I got you know seen, you know by in the vicinity of high school by one of my teachers, and they're like nodding and winking at me, like I know I got you. Have fun. Your parents left you for a week by yourself oh, in high school. Yeah, it was. Yeah, how, how did had that a good end? time. I know. I don't remember how or why, but they did. Wow. With my brother, it was hilarious. I couldn't handle that. Oh yeah. I couldn't handle the responsibility at seventeen of. Being on a, a just all yeah, pent up. Yeah, was seventeen. Like, That's a little scary. We won't. I'll tell you right now. If our son is listening, and I'm sure he's not, he won't get that same <laughs> I'm choice. Sure he's not. <laughs> he won't get that chance. Not gonna happen. <laughs> all right. Before we get into it, let's take a question posted by one of our members on the HouseAcademy.com online community. It's free. Rebecca wrote, "Hi everyone. Like many, I started out using postcards, then transitioned exclusively." Uh, using blind offers. I dialogued with a couple of investors this week, one who uses only postcards and the other who uses a combination of neutral letters and blind offers. I pretty much know where this is all coming from. Me too. Both are successful, so they say. The one using only postcards has a pretty streamlined system in place where you can pull comps and text or email and offer very quickly and hence text a lot of these offers to people. My question is, is anyone else in this forum doing postcards or blind offers? I thought it was, it was dead, but come to find out some people are killing it using postcards and neutral letters. I will never use postcards and neutral letters. Do you want me to share why? 
I would love for you to share why, and then I'm going to reinforce whatever you say. Okay. What a waste of my valuable time. And money. Right. We all know I can send postcards by mass to everyone because I have the best date on the planet, by the way, and tell them I want to buy it. Now, and possibly I want to throw it into with a neutral letter. And let me go back also by saying, let me back up here. Let me define these three things here. Okay. She's talking about a postcard. Like, hey, I want to buy your house. Yep, I'm interested. Like, hey, resident uh, right. or current occupant, I'd like to buy your house. Give me a call. We'll right. talk about it. Uh, and then a neutral letter is the same content, but it's in a letter. Right. So now you're spending all the money that you would on a, on a specific offer in postage and all that, which is the real expense and these things. So postcards save you a little bit of money, but I'll tell you in a second. And then third is a blind offer, which is what we said, send, which, is, which goes like this. Hey, John Smith. We would like to buy your house for $642,000.14. We'd like to close on Thursday and give us, give us a call so we can make the arrangements to do that. And if you're not interested in selling or you got a, diff, a different price in mind, uh, write it in and send it back. You know, or let me know. Or call us and let us know. We'll talk, you know, whatever. So they do. what that does, the third, and we obviously exclusively use the third type, is it allows us to utilize the power of data and a mail merge to send out thousands and thousands of offers at a time. People send out postcards and people send out neutral letters because they are afraid of data. They have a fear of doing something wrong in the mail merge or there's gonna be some negative thing. So consequently, because of that, they send these neutral things out or they send these postcards out and they get barraged. It's a mess. Let me back up and say too, Stephen's been doing this since the 90s. Have we tested all this? Heck yes. So I want to say that right now too. It's not like we we have tested all, trust me, we have tested all different ways of doing this, including texting, including email, including postcards and neutral letters. And there's a reason why we and our whole group are so successful and are sticking to these very professional offer letters. Uh, because what happened, here's the, here's, can I, you know, mom, I'm taking no, over go here. for it, go for it. The mess that you get with these neutral things like, hey, I want to buy your house. You don't want to deal with, everybody's going to call you back. I would call you back and I'm going to call you and I'm going to tie you down and waste up your time, <laughs> waste up your resources. And I'm not kidding. Like the rest of the people on my block saying, but, and we're all at top dollar. We all want, you know, what John, what that guy sold his house for, you know, back in December or whatever it was, or last summer when it was the height of it. That's what we think is going to happen. Do you want that? No, that's the whole point here. The best thing you can possibly do, like Stephen is saying, is be very strategic in picking an area and pricing the offers and getting the best data and putting these into a really well thought out professional letter that goes to sellers and then only, and this is the result, only the real serious motivated sellers open up your letter and go, yep. All right, and they call. So I'm only dealing with those phone calls. I'm not dealing with every person on the whole zip code, which who would call back? I don't have the time for that or the manpower for that. I want to just talk to the good ones. You can use the, the mail does all the work for you. So you send it all out. And the data. And the people who are real sellers, they come to you. Right. Not the other way around. The whole real estate industry is backwards about this. Real estate agents wake up every day and say, I gotta go out there and get a listing, or I gotta go out there and find a deal. That's not what we say at all. What mm -hmm. we say is, 
I'm going to field all the people that are interested in selling either on my phone or on my uh, in the mail. They right. found me. I just sent a bunch of the cast at a net, and they some of them flo- some of them swam into the net, and some of them didn't. Right. And it really, really, really is effective. It's effective use of time and money. It's perfected. So this, you know, my big quick question is, why are you sending postcards? And I don't know. I've asked that to people. I've are you asked bored? That no, why are you sending postcards out? Why do you what, send postcards? Yeah, what, there's no possible thing, because then, you know what I think they, people, what a mess. I think they think people, they have to build a relationship. And I'm like, if you're sitting here building a relationship, you're going to have, what, 10, maybe 50 people. Let's just talk about this. Say you're going to build a relationship with people who you think are good sellers and or good buyers. How much time are you wasting while I'm over here in mass doing deals? Here's the question, that, or the answer that I get. Why are you sending out postcards? And, and I've never actually asked them. What do they say? It's cheaper. Oh, well, great. What do you get out of Number it? Number one, it's cheaper. And if you really press them, the real reason is because they don't know how to do a mail merge and they don't want to mm-hmm. learn. Okay. And they're afraid of data. You know, there's a, a former Land Academy member who's got geek in his name, who is absolutely horrified of data. Mm-hmm. That's where this comes from, the, these other groups. Mm-hmm. And a neutral letter, then there's no, there's no discussing that because a neutral letter is the same price and the same process that sending out a, a, a priced out letter is. So exactly. I'm here to dispel this with this question. You can't, if you're afraid of pricing, it's a very natural concern to have pricing. You know, our businesses, these businesses are are made or broken by accurate pricing. Mm-hmm. And, but it's something, you, it's just like anything else that you learn. It's an educational process. And if you practice it and spend some time getting educated on it, you're going to be fine. You're going to, that skill will, will carry you through the next 20 or 30 or 40 years of your life financially. So you need to learn how to do a mail merge and you need to learn how to uh, price. Well, I would say, if you feel so inclined, do like many others have, test it yourself, and you'll find out the same results we did. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Today's topic, the best markets to buy houses during the COVID. This is the meat of the show. He says it all cheery. <laughs> like it's a cheer. <laughs> These are the best places during COVID times. Like, what? The, let's not cheery. There has to be something positive that comes out of this crazy time we live in right now. Okay. This pandemic. And they're they're looting, you know. Yeah. It's just kooks. It's nuts. You're right. So, it will have a, a pretty dramatic effect on house pricing at the end of the uh, end of the 2020, and probably most of the way through 2021. How do I know this? Because Jill and I experienced it between 2009 and 2012. And then he did it again before me. Yeah, in the same that, business. Before that, but last time it was pretty th- 2000 you know 10 12 was very similar to this from a number standpoint and from like a unemployment standpoint and all kinds of there's very similar similarities the recessions before that were very like they were short and that didn't involve unemployment like this and they were real industry specific there was a dot-com bust and some other stuff that really affected the stock market but it didn't affect real estate and these two times are really which is a business run so how do you find a market in an MSA, any given MSA, where this to choose because not all markets are the same. I, I use this uh, snow statistic constantly. Um, the average snowfall in this country is two and a half inches. To someone in Vermont, they're gonna laugh at that and say, that's great because it snows like 14 feet here a year. 
And as someone in Southern California where we are, there to which I say the same thing, that's great. It doesn't apply to me because it never snows, but the average is two and a half. So you got to look at real estate the same way. You have to look at your tiny little market, even bring it down to the zip code and look at that zip code specifically and just use the national statistics and all this big picture foreclosure, forbearance, all this stuff as a gauge, as a gauge for, for you to say this, yep, it's going to snow this year. Is it going to snow where I am? Nope. But then I don't care. Are there foreclosures where I am? Yep. Where specifically? You know, the big picture is it's going to snow. So let's see how it affects my local market, if at all. What you want to look for is a few things uh, for these housing markets. The best thing you can possibly do is find data. And we talk about this on our Thursday webinars all the time. Find data from back as far back as you can go to about 2010 to 2012. And you're going to see what the average price in it per zip code for a house that sold back in 10 or 12. Uh, I use Phoenix a lot because there's three or four zip codes in Phoenix where Jill and I were buying 40 and $50,000 houses and selling from 80 to 100. Right there. How do I know that? I can, I can tell you that there were a, a tremendous amount of foreclosures and a high level of foreclosure activity in those zip codes, which led me to sending out mail for a reduced amount and it's going to happen in those exact zip codes again and every single market has a zip has several zip codes if not many like los angeles has probably 20. and the reason that i can tell is because of the price of these assets in 2012 the average price for house was so low compared to what it was at the end of 2019 that it has to go that way i would like to pause and give you a compliment it is shocking to me that more more people, I don't know, maybe it's not shocking to me. I am so impressed that you do this stuff and you know this stuff. I've watched you do this on many of our you know member calls on the House Academy um, Thursday calls. Oh, it's not so boring though, is it? No. <laughs> it's still boring. <laughs> it's still boring, but I am impressed. It's valuable. Sometimes you got to do the poopy stuff to get to the fun stuff. So the, that is the fun stuff for me, though. See, that's what's so funny. It's poopy for me. I don't I like it. So, but it's amazing to me that more people don't even, they don't even know. I don't, I don't know if they don't know where to dig or they don't even know the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. They haven't even bothered to search and see that the data is there and available and free, by yeah. the way, on many of these uh, sites. If you go to Redfin Data, uh, what Jill's talking about is where there's all this free downloadable data that goes back to 2012. Uh, you know, I think you said one time, if you want to pass, can you? Get, are you still giving out like free passes to these Thursday calls? Yeah, yeah. So it's support at Landon. Support so, at houseacademy.com if you want to get on this Thursday call we're talking about. As a guest. And check out. As, a, as just a, a login and watch one time. Yeah. Right. And be yeah. there. So you can take a zip code if Redfin covers it. Download all the data. The it's a ton of data. Uh, there's way more data than we would ever use, which is like a situation nationwide data. And down to the zip code for the vast majority of the markets that they cover. They don't. It's not 100% coverage like Realtor, but it's darn good. And you pit these zip codes against each other, and so you can take six or seven zip codes in a place that you think might work in a lower socioeconomic, you know, C uh, class uh, census tract and put them against each other and look at the stats and say, well, it's very clear that houses were selling for $40,000 in this zip code and uh, in 2012, 
and in 2019 they're selling for 280. That's a huge, that's a great indication of what's going to happen in 2020 to 21. And then the zip code right next to it, oh, it went from 190 to 220. That's not enough of, a, of an increase uh, over a 10-year period to indicate a place for me to send mail uh, or to indicate that there's going to be a pretty high rate of foreclosure. So that's, that's the deal. If you do a ton of research on where the foreclosures are happening, and they're not happening yet, and that historical variance in price, you're going to... You found yourself a market. Thank you. Happy you could join us today. The house, um, excuse me. We are here every Tuesday and Thursday on the House Academy Show. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you can find us on the Land Academy Show. Tomorrow, the episode on the Land Academy Show is called How to Handle Calls from Old Mailers. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. And I will cover how to handle calls from old people. <laughs> Old people and old mailers. Exactly. Because <laughs> they often go hand in hand. <laughs> the House Academy Show remains commercial free for you, our loyal listeners. So wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, please subscribe and rate us there. We're, We're Stephen Jill. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property. <laughs>